Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We're making sense of week one on Roto-Viz Radio. Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. We are talking week one. The action is here. This is what it's all about. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the co-owners at Rotoviz, alongside my good friend, another co-owner at Rotoviz, Mr. Curtis Patrick. He is joining us tonight virtually. Curtis is actually uh, on a little family vacation in Florida. I sent him some questions. He sent me back some audio to respond to those questions. We will talk through those with some thoughts from me. We'll get Curtis's take. Uh, But just some initial reaction from me to week one. Some really fun games on that slate as a Patriots fan. A little bit of heartbreak on that fumble by Damian Harris towards the end of the game. It was absolutely awesome to see some of these young rookies get in, start making an impact right away. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell had a pretty solid game for the Dolphins. Uh, a curious situation uh, in San Francisco with Iuk and Trey Sermon being inactive. Still not entirely clear on what happened there, but we got to see Trey Lance come in for a play, throw a touchdown pass. Uh, really fun week in action. Some really crazy surprises. That Green Bay New Orleans game, I. I don't know how many people would have seen that coming, but boy, Saints absolutely torched them. Just a terrible, terrible game for the Packers. It's going to be interesting to see how they rebound. But more than anything here, I am just just pumped to have some actual game results to talk through. So without further ado... All right, Curtis... First question that I sent to you was just what are your biggest takeaways from this weekend of action in the NFL? Man, my biggest takeaways were uh, the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs look like they're going to drive all of the high value opportunities just to Tyreek and Travis Kelsey. I mean, this was a, a huge playoff type game against Cleveland in week one and Kelsey and Tyreek just absolutely smash. Uh, it was, it was concentrated. I mean, CEH was somewhat involved, but we didn't see Demarcus Robinson, you know, step up. We didn't see Michael Hardman step up, uh, as big time parts of that offense. This is just all about Tyreek and Kelsey. It looks like both of them are going to pay off in a huge way. Uh, you know, as first round picks in 2021. Yeah. So the chiefs really concentrated their offense nearly entirely 
into Hill and Kelsey, which is interesting when you consider the way that this game played out, actually starting off with Cleveland being ahead for a while and then the Chiefs playing from behind. So 15 targets for Tyreek Hill, seven targets for Travis Kelsey, McCole Hardman at three, Demarcus Robinson at two, Byron Pringle at two, Blake Bell at one. And then the really interesting piece of this is Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 14 rushes, Darrell Williams, one rush. So they actually had Tyreek Hill see as many targets as the team's two running backs that were used combined. Uh, for CEH, bit of a disappointing opening game, in my opinion, uh, especially as a player that I was really high on, just 43 rush yards on 14 attempts, caught three of three targets for 29 yards. So... You know, that's like a 10.2 uh, PPR day for Edwards Alaire to start off the season. But Curtis is right. It is looking like the offense for the Chiefs is going to be running so much through Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey that I think we're going to continue to see Tyreek Hill having a number of 30 point games this year. Travis Kelsey feels like, you know, a 20 point game is going to be achievable each week. Man, though, Tyreek Hill, 197 receiving yards, one touchdown. Travis Kelsey turned six receptions on seven targets into 76 yards, but two touchdowns. Man, teams with Hill and Kelsey must be feeling good after this week. Of course, we all expected that Hill and Kelsey would be among the best players in the league, both from a real life and from a fantasy perspective. But one of the fun things about week one is there are always players that come out and perform that you wouldn't have expected. Uh, it was cool to see Kenny Gainwell uh, be able to put in a decent fantasy performance in his first game with a touchdown. It was also interesting to see Larry Roundtree running as the back behind Eckler in the Chargers offense, Curtis, though, there was a couple of performances I wouldn't have seen coming. Why don't you talk to me about a player that really surprised you? Another player I was very impressed with was Corey Davis. Um, it looks like early in the season, he's going to be the focal point of the Jets offense. Um, didn't seem to be missing playing across from A.J. Brown whatsoever. Um, just a huge, huge week one for him and in a game that is probably very similar to how the Jets will play the first half of the year, uh, play from behind. Um, you know, we did see Elijah Moore drop a really deep, you know, pass as well that maybe would change the way that uh, week one felt in terms of Corey Davis being really the whole story. But man, he looks like he's going to pay off as a late single digit round draft pick, uh, at least at this point. Yeah, so a really terrific performance for Davis in his first game playing with the Jets. Saw seven targets, but turned them into five receptions, 97 receiving yards, and more importantly, two receiving touchdowns. Uh, he had 118 air yards as well. Puts him at 16.9 air yards per target. Um, yards after the catch, 29 for him. So he was doing some different things in this game, making some catches and then also doing work um, with those catches because that comes out to 5.8 yards after the catch per reception. So really terrific game for him. Now his rookie quarterback there in um, Zach Wilson goes 20 on 37 attempts, just a 54% uh, completion rate, but does put up 258 yards the two touchdowns that he threw both going to Davis 
did take six sacks, but finished with 18.3 fantasy points. Uh, no rushing to speak of. So my thoughts here with the Jets are the running backs, really not a whole lot going on. It was very uh, you know uniform between the backs. And actually, let me just pull up those numbers really quick to read off because you have four rushing attempts for Ty Johnson, four from Michael Carter, nine for Tevin Coleman, all of them averaging under four yards per attempt. And collectively, they go for just 45 yards. So Wilson might be an interesting option at quarterback in those uh, two quarterback leagues. But it looks like the main wide receiver you're going to be interested in for him is going to be Corey Davis. Now, the other catchers on the team, we did see Braxton Berrios of all people, see seven targets, actually caught five of those uh, for 51 yards. Tyler Croft and Ryan Griffin combined for 11 targets with five going to Croft, six going to Griffin. Uh, Not a whole lot of yardage for the two, just 26 for Croft, 22 for Griffin. I think that one of the things that Curtis and I had hoped was that Croft would really be able to run away with a large target share as a result of being the only tight end. Some cold water, I think, has been put on that by seeing Ryan Griffin come away with six targets. And Griffin has been one of those guys who, throughout his career, never does anything too major, but somehow manages to see some baseline level of usage. Denzel Mims, just one target. Elijah Moore, as Curtis talked about, uh, had four targets, then one for Jeff Smith. As we would have thought, not a whole lot of value in this just offense, but Corey Davis really really came out of the gates running. Should be interesting to see how he continues to progress in that Jets offense. And I know it was week one, but I cannot help but give a round of applause for my boy, Jared Cook coming through with a solid performance in week one, saw eight targets, five receptions, 56 yards, 10.6 PPR points. Listen, I understand that is not the type of performance that's going to win leagues, but I have to be excited about the fact that Cook is seeing the level of usage that I thought we'd be seeing from him in the Chargers offense. And also, we saw him be third among wide receivers and tight ends with eight targets. Jalen Guyton, who made a couple of really nice plays coming in um, at fourth in that pecking order with five. But really nice for Jared Cook. Curtis, there were some other players that we've talked about a lot, like Tyler Lockett having a really nice game. Uh, who, though, of the players that we've been talking about this summer, or excuse me, that we've been talking about in the summer and that we have on maybe some of those teams that you and I have together, were you really excited to see have, an, have a nice opening weekend? You know, Dave, it was really great uh, to see one of my you know pivotal players, one of my must-draft running backs uh, for 2021, Daryl Henderson, basically play every snap <laughs> uh, until the game was you know totally on ice on Sunday night. Um, uh, where it made sense for the Rams to attack the Bears, obviously, was through the passing game. Uh, but Henderson got there. Um, Henderson got there against a tough Bears defense, uh, probably in the week as a you know low end RB two. Um, but moving forward against softer defenses, you know he looks like the same type of player. Uh, that put up those big 20-point weeks so often uh, early in the 2020 season. So I'm, 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 pretty, I'm pretty excited at this point about that pick paying off. 
Yeah, so we had been excited about Henderson and thought that one of the positives of the situation for him was that he wouldn't really be getting pressured by a backup running back. Of course, the team goes out, brings in Sony Michelle uh, via a trade with New England. They used Sony just one time. He had one rushing attempt, put up two rushing yards on that. Of course, it could take a little bit of time for them to work him in, but I'm in agreement. I think that with the number of snaps that you saw Henderson play and with the way that he was used as a rusher and was effective, uh, 70 yards on 16 carries, 4.4 yards attempt, solid on his one reception as well. With what we saw from him, you have to be encouraged. Uh, at this point, I would say that I was not expecting Sony Michelle to be a major factor. This just makes me feel a little bit better about the prospect that the team isn't going to try to push him to... Um, or push him down in his usage in favor of trying to work Michelle in. Of course, that could change, but that, that's how I kind of read that situation there. In targets for the wide receivers, uh, Cooper Cup, 10 targets, Tyler Higby, 6, Robert Woods, just 4, uh, Van Jefferson, 3, Deshaun Jackson, 2. This is a team that has a couple of versatile wide receivers, players in that offense. So I wouldn't be panicking if I was a Robert Woods owner. Um, you know, he did salvage his day by getting a touchdown. Three touchdowns for the wide receiver group in this game with Coop, Woods, and Van Jefferson all scoring. Really interesting game for Van Jefferson, showing what he might be able to do when playing with a quarterback like Matthew Stafford. Just two receptions, but 80 receiving yards and a touchdown on which uh, was a very long play, if I recall. So he actually had 87 air yards on just three targets, led the team in air yards per target with 29, offsetting in cup at 7.1, Higby at 4.7, Robert Woods at 5.8. Also 23 yards after the catch for Van Jefferson. Exciting game for him. And I think that the Rams could emerge as one of these teams that does manage to have three wide receivers that are viable options of course in the pecking order i still think that you more or less have cup and woods on similar territory then a drop down to jefferson but nonetheless a name that i think you should be paying attention to seeing if he's available on your waiver wire uh, and at least monitoring him if not adding him if it turns out that this rams offense is as good as some people thought that it could be and in addition to Henderson, Jared Cook, some other players we talked about on the show, there were some other names that had really good week ones that I asked Curtis to weigh in on, keeping in mind that it was just the first week, but nonetheless, get a sense of how he feels about these players now that we've seen them start to look like the, the or to match the expectations that we had heading into the year. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, listen, I mean, it's only one week, Dave, and the Falcons looked atrocious, but I think it's okay to victory lap Jalen Hurts. <laughs> I really do, man. He looks so good. I'm so excited. Uh, the two of us have so much Jalen, and uh, man, with Devontae Smith looking like the real deal, even Jalen, Jalen Rager um, coming through in a big way. Um, geez, man, I'm really excited about Jalen Hurts, and um, how high his ceiling could be in 2021. Yeah. And it definitely looks like you're going to be able to boost what is possible for him. If we continue to see him using the legs that he did only rush six times, but put up 53 yards on those rushes through 35 times, 77% completion rate completed 27 of those 35 passes, 7.5 yards per attempt, 264 yards on the day only took one sack, finishes with around 28 fantasy points. And I think that Curtis is right when you think about how he used his wide receivers as well. It's really encouraging in Devonta Smith's first game to see him catch six out of eight balls for 71 yards, adds a receiving touchdown, uh, just 56 air yards, but manages to put in 17 yards after the catch. Uh, this is the type of performance that you really like to see from a rookie that was drafted highly, that had a terrific amount of buzz. And we will have to see where this goes from here. But yeah, also manages to go six out of six passes to Jalen Rager for 49 yards and a touchdown. Also gets Dallas Goddard involved, who had 80 yards, uh, or excuse me, 42 yards on four out of five targets. So it's an 80% reception percentage where I was going there. But yeah, three wide receivers getting receiving touchdowns. Looks like Zach Ertz could be dealing with some injury issues. Shouldn't really impact um, Hertz that much. Uh, he was only, Ertz was only targeted twice. And then Quez Watkins rounded out things with three targets. But looks like we could see Smith and Rager being the wide receivers that Hertz is going to. Um, again, just super encouraging to see that game that Devonta Smith put together. And it looks like all things go for Jalen Hurts. So Curtis hit on Corey Davis uh, earlier in the show. I also asked him if there were any other players that, uh, you know, maybe we hadn't focused on enough that came out the gate swinging. Guy that he brings to mind plays in an offense that we thought could be pretty ascendant this year, takes some steps forward. So I'm going to let Curtis weigh in now on Joe Mixon. I think a player I got to recognize is Joe Mixon. Um, you and I were taking him, you know, when he would fall below ADP, but certainly not at, um, or earlier than, and in that Cincinnati offense, if he's going to continue to get 75 to 80% of the touches and be a true bell cow, 
Um, geez, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking mid RB one, uh, as a, a real possibility for Mixon. So, uh, those who have been hanging on for all these years have to be really excited about what they saw early. And then I just think the, the Bengals offense in general, um, Tyler Boyd taking a pretty firm backseat to T Higgins and Jamar Chase, you know, even though Boyd's been such a great slot receiver the last couple of years, uh, that the talent really driving where the targets go. And, uh, I mean, Chase had, what, 20, 26% target market share in week one, uh, five catches, 100-some yards, and a touchdown. I mean, what a debut. What a debut. And uh, he silences all the haters <laughs> off of the drops uh, in, in preseason. So you, you do love to see it. Yeah, Joe Mixon records 29 rushing attempts, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the highest total uh, of the week, Mark Ingram, of course, seeing 26. Uh, but let's just focus here on Joe Mixon, 127 rush yards, 4.4 yards per carry. Actually, the same as Samaj P. Ryan did on his five carries. Uh, but clearly, this is Joe Mixon's backfield. Adds a rushing touchdown, four out of four on his targets for 23 receiving yards. And as the Cincinnati offense continues to step forward, that is going to allow Mixon to keep putting up numbers like this. So I'm a believer in that we're going to continue to see this from Mixon. It's also hard not to be super encouraged about Jamar Chase and honestly, T Higgins and maybe even the rest of the pass catchers in this offense having good games sporadically here and there. Although I do think it's trending like you're going to have Chase and Higgins being the guy, Tyler Boyd getting some lighter usage. But I actually went on the um, road of his report last night, as I've been doing now every uh, Sunday of, of the first week of the season with Blair Andrews and Hassan Rahim. Always a good time. We talked about Jamar Chase and my thoughts on him were that Again, as we have to, as we're forced to caveat, it's only week one. But when there's cases where what you see in a player's first game or what you see in the start of a season lines up very closely with what your expectations were, it's fair to, in my opinion, use that for confirmation of what you thought and at least say this gives credence to the idea that Jamar Chase is going to be a really good NFL receiver. It was very clear the Bengals wanted to get him involved as evidenced by his draft pick. First game, leads the team in targets, converts five of those uh, seven targets, reception percentage of 71%, goes over 100 yards in his first game, also has a touchdown, saw 114 air yards. T. Higgins was at 41 Boyd at 24, Thomas at 28, CJ uh, Uzoma at 15. So that's 16.3 air yards per target. Four Chase also adds 7.2 yards after the reception. Just a great game for him. It's also encouraging to see that we have T. Higgins also going um, for 58 yards, but managed to get a touchdown with those four receptions. Um, I think that it is fair to expect this uh, Cincinnati passing game to continue to operate nicely. I'm feeling really encouraged about Chase in particular, but I, I still feel good about T. Higgins. So obviously, a lot of our listeners, probably you included listener, are wondering who are the guys you need to go after on the waiver wire. Um, Sam Wallace put out 
a super in-depth waiver article that posted on the site today. Ton of names on there. I would definitely go and check that out if you're in need already of revamping your roster, just looking for the guys that make sense to add on and change things up in hopes that uh, they hit. But let's get Curtis's take on who some of the top uh, priority guys are. I think in terms of top waivers, um, Elijah Mitchell and his sub 4-4 speed uh, as potentially the Niners lead back for the next couple of weeks. Um, that's going to be pretty exciting. You know, I still think Trey Sermon is going to factor in at some point. Not really sure why he was so buried on the depth chart for week one. Uh, but, you know, the Niners have already taken a couple hits there, and so he's that much closer to playing time. Um, as much as I like Sermon, um, he does not have the deep speed, uh, the, the home run speed of Mitchell. Um, and now that the team has seen it from Mitchell, I mean, it, it does definitely materially impacts, I think, the way that uh, those backs will be viewed moving forward. I mean, Sermon, you know, we, we talked about him kind of being the, the whole package does everything pretty well, maybe not having a, a calling card, uh, you know, but, but bell cow potential in that you don't really have to take them off the field for, you know, certain things. Um, but if, if Mitchell is going to look <laughs> the way he did, uh, it's going to be hard to keep him off the field for anybody. Um, Jawan Johnson, uh, I think is another big priority. Uh, I think Friedman talked about him when he came on the pod. Uh, the Saints did not have to pass the ball very much against the Packers. That game was just out of control from the jump. Um, but Johnson could be a red zone nightmare. And then in particular in leagues where he's got the tight end uh, eligibility, um, just really being a cheat code there. Um, in particular, until Michael Thomas comes back to give the team you know, another size option um, down there in the red zone. But uh, Jawan Johnson, absolutely a priority target. Um, you know, with players like uh, Robert Tunyon uh, flaming out, uh, among others that you may have invested high draft capital in, um, there's an opportunity to bail yourself out. And uh, speaking of the Saints, just to kind of, I know this has nothing to do with waivers, but I, I thought that I would get a, a note in. Um, you know, Alvin Kamara, uh, he looks like he's going to be just fine. Um, looks like he's going to be just fine uh, without Drew Brees there. He still had a couple receptions. Didn't really have a chance to to break one away, but he's get, he's going to get the the carries in close to the uh, end zone, and uh, he really looks to still be the featured part of the offense. So, uh, you know, versus how guys like Aaron Jones and Saquon Barkley looked in Week One, you're feeling pretty good. Uh, and, and Zeke Elliott, <laughs> all of the other early round uh, running backs actually that weren't in that top three or four. Um, you're feeling pretty good about an investment in, in Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that it makes sense uh, if we're talking about the Saints to just remind people, Jameis Winston very likely could be on your waiver wire. He makes for a great ad if you're in need of quarterback. Probably not going to see the type of game that we saw the Saints play um, every week, given that an opponent might uh, challenge them more than Green Bay did, but encouraging results for him. I talked about Kirk Cousins a fair amount um, on different formats or different platforms leading up to the season. He still might be available. I think that he makes sense uh, if you're in need of a quarterback. I'd mentioned Larry Roundtree for the Chargers, Kenny Gainwell for the Eagles. It was really interesting what happened in that Houston backfield. Mark Ingram really leading the way in rushing with 26 attempts. 
Uh, none of the backs, though, were efficient, right? You have Ingram, 85 yards on 26 attempts. That puts him at uh, just over three yards a carry. Same for Philip Lindsay and David Johnson. I am not sure that if you have this team playing an opponent better than the Jaguars, who I think are really going to struggle this year, I am not sure that this is going to carry forward. Um, I don't think that you're going to be seeing Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay both scoring rushing touchdowns in a game with David Johnson also scoring a receiving touchdown. Um, so in that regard, Johnson got four targets. Ingram and Lindsay got one apiece. That might make David Johnson still the most attractive option of the backfield if you are expecting, like me, that Houston continues to remain uh, or that Houston going forward will be playing from behind and will need to pass, given that they will likely be matched uh, outmatched by most of their opponents. So for me, if I were playing the waiver wire, I wouldn't put a huge priority on getting Philip Lindsay. I do think that the 26 rushing attempts in comparison to the 11 between the two other backs can't be ignored for Ingram. So I actually would be if, um, you know, maybe your league didn't run waivers prior to the start of the season, I'd have some interest in going after Ingram. Uh, I guess the note that I said earlier was just to remind people that this is still going to be an offense that's not that great. So it doesn't make these players extremely, extremely attractive. But I do think that Ingram and Johnson could have some utility if you are in a major bind. I'd say place a bid on them. Just don't blow like 40% of your budget or something on them. Still week one, going to be other players that will pop up. So I personally would be closer to maybe willing to go like 5% of my budget somewhere in that range. I know that's probably lower than some people would tell you. Um, I could definitely be wrong on this backfield, uh, but I, I think that a lot of the people that I know and talk with would, would agree that it's probably more likely than not that we don't see what we saw Sunday carry forward. And it's also probably more likely than not that there's a clear defined back in Houston, which is the one that you should go with, or at least with the information that we have right now, taking a leap to saying that there's a clear player, it still might be a little bit premature for that. So that takes us to the end of this week one review uh, we are still ironing out exactly what the um, publishing schedule will be for these shows. I apologize about that. I will let you know as soon as we have that ironed out. I can tell you, though, that we will be back later in the week looking f uh, in a forward fashion to week two, hopefully talking some GLSP projections as well as some uh, wide receiver and secondary matchups. So make sure that you go to Rotoviz. Make sure that you use the promo code RVRADIO2021 to get 10% off a one-year subscription if you have not already done so. I really do not think that you will regret doing that, and I think that you will really enjoy uh, going through this season with the site. Anyway, looking forward to having you back uh, as a listener later in the week, and uh, hopefully you win your uh, first matchup. Thanks for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at RotovizFFShow at gmail.com. Visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.